Hello, everybody. This is Common Sense Christianity again. Today, I'm going to address a Trinitarian that I've been having discussions with online uh, concerning the doctrine of the Trinity and that Jesus is God. He believes that God is a three-person being and that Jesus is God. Uh, what he doesn't understand is that nobody ever speaks of a three-person God ever in the entire Bible. You'll never find a single instance. You know, Jesus, God, the apostles, they never speak of it ever, you know. So that should make a person pause right there. And it should also make a person pause why Trinitarians have to use riddles to patch things together. You know, what he's teaching contradicts scripture at every level, you know. Um, so some of the points I'd like to address are, and, and I watched his video, I can't remember all of the points, but I'll address some of them. You know, the word God is not a person. It's a thing. You know, if you read Psalm 33, 6, it says specifically that the word, you know, the word is bidbar, right? It's an utterance. It's something said. It's a thing. It's not a person, you know? So it says, the heavens were made by the word, you know, of the Lord, by the breath of his mouth, right? By the breath of his mouth. Uh, it doesn't say that uh, Jesus is there. You know, it doesn't even capitalize the word Lord. You know, uh, it makes it lowercase, even though Hebrews is um, in all uppercase letters, right? It makes the Lord uppercase in the book of Hebrews and other places. But in the book of Hebrews, not the book of Hebrews, in the book of Psalms in Hebrew, it's in lowercase letters, you know, so we can read it. You know, it says in Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Okay. By his mouth. It says right here, the word, the word, Bidbar is a word, a matter, a thing, a cause. Okay. It doesn't have anything to do with the person. And Jesus said, these are not my words to speak. You know, they, they're the father's words, you know, so it's very simple by the word of the Lord, by God's word, his, his speech, his, his thing, his utterance, the heavens were made. It doesn't say that, that, that God spoke and that Jesus created. Where is Jesus involved in this? See, that's the thing with this Trinitarian is he, he doesn't understand what Jesus is you know, in the middle of, is Jesus the creator? Well, the Bible specifically says the father is our creator and the father created everything by himself. He was alone. So what did God do? Did he speak? So God told Jesus to create? The Bible never says this, right? You know, they don't know who the creator is. What part of the creation did Jesus have? You know, the Bible says God spoke the words of his mouth, his breath, you know, by the breath of his mouth. Jesus specifically said, the words you hear are not mine. It's, it's the words of the Father, okay? So they're the Father's words. It's his breath. It's his mouth. It's his utterance. It's not a person, you know, just like I kept saying in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 8, God's wisdom is dwelling with him. She's talking. She's literally talking through two chapters, and she's telling us how she's with God as his master worker. She, she's creating, and she dwells with prudence, you know. So we don't think this is a person. The Hebrew people didn't. This, this only became persons after the Bible was translated from Hebrew into Greek, and it lost its, its Hebrew understanding. Now these personifications of God become introduced into Greek paganism, and now they're persons, right? So it has nothing to do with the person, right? So if we go to the simple truth that God is one, he has a human Messiah, 
This is the Lord Jesus Christ. God said he created everything alone. There was nobody with him. And another point I'd like to address is I don't think he's understanding what Anthony Buzzard is saying. When, you know, Anthony Buzzard, he says, well, you know, does, does anybody call, you know, Jesus God? Well, yeah, they do. But Anthony Buzzard said they don't call him God because in the term of God Almighty, Anthony Buzzard knows that men are called gods. Jesus was called God. Moses was made God and Elohim over others. But what Anthony's trying to say is, no, they didn't call Jesus God, meaning God Almighty. He knows that Jesus was called God in the book of Hebrews. You know, so this Trinitarian's not understanding what 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 Anthony is trying to say. Yes, if you said, Anthony, is are, is the Bible telling us that Jesus is God Almighty? Anthony would say no. The Bible is not telling us that Jesus is God in that sense, right? However, if you were going to say, Anthony, is the Bible telling us that Jesus is God as a title given to men? Anthony would say, yes, they're calling Jesus God. See how the difference is? So you can't twist this, and it might be a lack of understanding on the Trinitarian's part, but that's what Anthony means. You know, he's being dishonest or not understanding what Anthony is talking about when Anthony says they don't call Jesus God. They don't, as far as God Almighty, okay? So, you know, and they keep bringing up these riddles of John 17, 3, about Jesus saying that, you know, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you from the very beginning. And now all of a sudden in a riddle, Jesus is announcing that he was with God from all eternity, right? Not to mention that there's not a single instance in the entire Bible where Jesus tells anybody that he was with God up in heaven, creating, doing anything with God, being the creator, watching creation, looking down on creation, being with the angels, walking in the garden, not a single instance. And they don't keep reading, right? They don't have the understanding that to a Jewish person, everything has existed in God's purpose and plan from the very beginning. So they catch up to it. Jesus was promised glory with God from the very beginning. So Jesus is asking this glory, you know, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you from the very beginning. It's all in God's purpose and plan. Read Revelation. You know, we can see the end of the world. We can see it. You know, we see it. We follow it as it comes to fruition, right? So Jesus was basically asking for this place, you know, this mark in time where God had promised his glory. It doesn't have anything to do with preexistence. You know, if they keep reading in John 17, 22, it says, the glory which I have, which thou hast given me, I have given to them. This is talking about future believers. Some of them have not even been born yet. So are these future believers pre-existing? How can you have glory with God, the same glory that was given to Jesus, if you don't even exist, if you're not even born yet, if you're not even a believer, right? This is in God's purpose and plan. And this concept is throughout the Hebrew scriptures, right? They have an understanding, like I said, that everything exists in God's purpose and plan before it comes to fruition. You know, we can look at the Bible says Jesus suffered from the foundation of the world. But we literally know that he was not on the cross suffering from the very beginning every single day on the cross, right? It's in God's purpose and plan. Whenever we read the Bible, you know, God's purpose and plan, the suffering was there constantly. You know, it was there. It was waiting for Jesus to come into the world and to suffer and die. You know, he, he wasn't he wasn't literally on the cross. I mean, if you look at Hebrews 9, 26 through 28, it says, for then he he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But get this. But as it is, he has appeared once, once for all the at the end of the age. Right. Jesus has only appeared once on earth. And this is at the end of the age. It doesn't mean that he was walking in the garden as the angel of the Lord 
or being the God of Abraham, you know, God of Abraham in Genesis 18 that was speaking to God in the temple. The Bible is very clear. He has appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for men, men to die once, get this, men, like Jesus was a man. And after that comes judgment. So Christ have, have been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So the Bible is very clear in Hebrews that Jesus has only appeared once on earth and will appear a second time. That's why you will never find Jesus in the Old Testament and they have to use these riddles. Now he's the angel of the Lord. It's very mysterious. You know, I think I can see Jesus here. That's hogwash. He was not yet born, right? And where he says there's nothing that proves that Jesus wasn't born, that's also mistaken. If you look at the book of Matthew, it talks about this is the genesis of Jesus Christ. The genesis means origin. You know, this is the genesis of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say birth. You know, the apostles wrote the Genesis, the translators wrote birth, you know. So, yeah, it is the birth, but that's because Jesus came in, into being right here. It doesn't, the angel does not tell Mary, it says, the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you and the power of the Most High will, you know, you will conceive in your womb a child. It doesn't say you will receive a God man from outer space or, you know, you will receive life from outside of your womb to take into your womb to incubate. You know, God will become a little cell. He will grow in wisdom. He, he, will, he will become a cell. He will, you will incubate him for nine months. And then you will give birth to God. You know, the Bible would be very clear. It would be very specific. Can you imagine? This is the doctrine. I mean, this, this is something out of this world. And they don't have a single instance of the explanation. I mean, Thomas, uh, you know, this Trinitarian is trying to use all of these examples and analogies. But no Bible verse ever says what he says, right? They're saying all, you know, Jesus is this, this, look how easy it is to explain the doctrine of the Trinity for him or Jesus preexisted, but there's nothing there. All it is is riddles. And that's because they don't understand the preexistence in God's purpose and plan, right? Every single time you go to scripture, it contradicts the Trinity every single time. You know, it would be nonsensical for Jesus to say he's appeared once on earth and will appear a second time if he was the God of the Old Testament and came down and spoke to Abraham. Like I said, you know, it's all in God's purpose and plan. And the first Peter 1.20 says this, you know, he was destined before the foundation of the world. This is Jesus. He was destined before the foundation of the world in God's purpose and plan, but was made manifest at the end of the time for your sake. It would be silly for Jesus to be up there with God in heaven as the son. And then for the Bible to say he was destined before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest based at the end of the times for your sake. So it's telling us that, he wasn't there. He was in God's purpose and plan. He was destined. It was in God's idea, you know, before the foundation of the world. But he was made manifest at the end of the times for our sake. You know, God also chose people in him before they were born. You know, did they pre-exist? If you look at Ephesians 1.4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He's talking to us. He's talking about us. He's talking about future believers, believers who are not even yet born. He said, even as he chose us in him, how can he choose us if we don't exist? Well, it's because it's in purpose and plan. You know, Jesus, when he said, glorify me with the glory that I had with you. Yeah, God had it stored up for him. Jesus is asking for it. He doesn't say return the glory that we shared together. He, you know, there's no story of him existing with God. Like I said, there would be countless stories. Can you imagine? 
this would be something he could come down and tell us stories about him pre-existing with God, walking in the garden, all these stories. I mean, how magical, you know, mom, I'm not, I'm older than you. You know, I pre-existed you. I'm not really your son. You gave birth to me in the flesh. None of this exists. Nothing. Everything this Trinitarian is saying is based on assumption. You know, you know, he, he hangs onto a riddle in John one, you know, why is he hanging onto a riddle in John one? Go to Matthew, go to Mark, go to Luke. There's not even a hint that Jesus is God, right? I mean, if Jesus is the, you know, the word, which he is, he became the word of God when God put his words into the mouth of a prophet. Read Deuteronomy 18. I will raise up a prophet and I will put my words into his mouth and he will say everything I commanded of him, right? So, so he doesn't understand that, that basically John, in his belief, John would be introducing to the Jewish world in a riddle that now God is a two-person being. You know, where's the third person in here? And, and if we apply the word, he, he wants us to believe it's Jesus or the son, you know, we could apply it and put, okay, let's replace the son with, uh, let's replace the word with Jesus. And let's replace, it doesn't say the father, it says God, you know. So, it, you know, if in the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with the father and Jesus was the father, you know, in the beginning was the son and the son was with the father and, and the son was the father, it doesn't work no matter where you go, you know, and he'll, he'll, make excuses for, oh, it doesn't mean that, you know, the flesh is the word and, and all this stuff. But, you know, I, I really don't think this Trinitarian is seeking truth. You know, he wants to back up a doctrine that he believes in, but it contradicts itself, you know, constantly. Every single turn you go to, it's based on assumption. There's not a single instance in the entire Bible where anybody ever speaks of a three-person God, ever. You know, so this would mean that God deceived the Jewish world for thousands of years while they worshiped him as a single person, but he was really three persons up in heaven. He gave the Shema to the Jews. They practiced it religiously, but they had no idea that he was a three-person God. And he never comes down and says, hey, Moses, tell the Jews that they're worshiping me as a single person, but I'm really three persons up in heaven. He had all the time to do it. And he never does it. And Jesus is sent, you know, into the world and Jesus never corrects them. Jesus agrees with the Jew in Mark 12, 29. You know, they basically agree exactly with, you know, the Jew says, you know, good teacher, you, you know, you have said this, you know, you have spoken the truth. There is no God but one, no God but he. And Jesus said, you are not far from the kingdom of God, you know. And a Trinitarian will say, well, say he says you're not far, basically meaning that, you know, he almost got it right. That's absolute nonsense. I mean, these are the, these are the lies and the tricks and the trickery and the riddles that Trinitarians come up with. No. God never, he would absolutely would have corrected the Jews if they were worshiping him as a single person, but he was really three persons. You know, it's nonsensical. You know, so God says that I will raise up a prophet. I will put my words in his mouth and he will do everything I commanded him. Not that I will send God or God the sun down from the sky. So, you know, John himself said the entire reason he wrote everything so we would understand that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, John 20, 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. It doesn't say I, this are written that you may believe Jesus is God, which he absolutely would have done if that's what he was trying to draw home. Can you imagine? This is John's epistle and his message. He absolutely, if he wanted us to get out of his his message that Jesus was God, he would have said so, you know? So, so it's not God, the word or God, the son, or any of this nonsensical, non-biblical terms. It's the Christ, the son of God. Right. And like I said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they don't even hint that Jesus is God. Did they not get John's riddle? Why don't they agree with, with this Trinitarian's perception or belief 
of what he thinks John is saying. Wouldn't Matthew, Mark, and Luke back it up and have a, an instance? You know, Jesus was God in the flesh or something. They don't even hint that he's God. So, no, it doesn't match. It's not consistent with testimony. It's not consistent whatsoever. So, and, and not only that, but, you know, John, it's possible that John is drawing a parallel to Genesis, right? It's not talking about Genesis. And a lot of people believe this. Just because we're told it's Genesis doesn't make it Genesis, right? You know, it would be nonsensical for John to bring up Genesis. In the beginning was the word. We already know what the beginning was, right? And and God has no beginning. And, it, you know, it, the beginning was the word. The word was, you know, so it's talking about in the beginning was the light. You know, this light was not the light of men. This is talking about John. And that's why John shows up in verse 6. Why would it talk about this is the beginning, you know, this in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, the word was God and go and all of a sudden it goes in verse six. There was a man sent from God. His name was John, right? It doesn't work. So when you look at it and I'm not sold on this idea, you know, but it's heavily possible that this is talking about the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And why? Because John says over and over again and other people do what the beginning is. You know, we can look at it, but these are written. This is John 20, 31. These are written that you may know that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that you may believe and you have life in his name. Well, that's, that's something else. So I'll go into uh, John 15, 27. And you are also witnesses because you have been with me from the beginning, right? First John 1, 1. Remember John, uh, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Look at first John 1, 1. That's that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, right? The word, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, right? John talks about the beginning. Again, 1 John 20, 24. Let what you have heard from the beginning, right? In the beginning was the word. Abide in you. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, then what you will abide in, in the Son and in the Father. Notice, there's no Holy Spirit again. He's absent all the time. Okay, Luke 1, 2. Just as they were delivered to us by those who were from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, right? Think about it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, okay? Just as they were delivered to us by those who were from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, okay? John 8, 25. They, they said unto him, who are you? Jesus said to them, even what I have told you from the beginning, right? John 16, 4. But I have said to you, these things to you, that when their house, when their, when the hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. I did not say these things to you from the beginning. The beginning was the word because I was with you, right? First John 3, 11. This is the message which you have heard from the beginning. What is the message? In the beginning was the word. This is the message. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. God is prepping his word to be brought in and to be taught through the ministry of Jesus. The word was God and the word was with God because that's the same person. It's You don't have it with and were. You know, it's, it's basically saying in the word was with God, meaning belonging to, and the word was God. That's who God is. It's not talking about a second person of the Trinity, right? And Mark, Mark 1, 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. So we have Mark, we have Luke, we have other people talking about the beginning. And John himself talks about the beginning. So I'm not saying that this is, this is you know, concrete proof that it's talking about this. But 
it doesn't make sense in the book of Genesis that John would be talking about Genesis, rehashing it, and then John shows up. You know, there was a man sent from God, his name was John. So right in verse six from Genesis, no. You know, so it's basically launching, uh, it's it's drawing a parallel to Genesis because, you know, he was in the world and the world was not made, the world was made by him and the world did not know him. That's talking about the father because Jesus himself says later, you know, father, the world has not known you, but I have I, made you known. So, and it doesn't say by him, all things were created. It says through, right? So, um, so just because you're told that Genesis doesn't make it true, you know, you need to look at the Bible through all kinds of different perspectives and not rely on tradition, right? So, um, you know, if, if Jesus is the creator of the universe and the Holy Spirit is a third person that dwells inside believers, what does the father do? You know, you will notice with the Trinitarian doctrine that that the father is basically being replaced, right? Jesus prayed that we would know the father as the only true God. And what do Trinitarians do? Jesus, you're the creator of the universe. You're God. The Holy Spirit is the, the dwell inside believers. The father is pushed back to the background. You know, they talk about him, but it's basically, it's he's nothing, you know. You know, they can make excuses and everything. But everything's about Jesus. These people defend Jesus when Jesus himself did not glorify himself. He gave all glory to the Father, right? So, and he talks about the book of Hebrews, that this is talking about Jesus being God Almighty because it says, thy throne, O God. You know, this is, the, this is what Trinitarians do. In the book of Psalms 82, God himself calls other people gods. You know, you are gods. You are sons of the Most High. Jesus was a son of the Most High. He was a God. But he wasn't God Almighty. This is the thing that Trinitarians don't understand is the difference between titles given to men and God Almighty. You know, the book of Hebrews, the whole point is getting us to understand that Jesus was elevated above the angels and receives a, a, a greater name than them. It would be nonsensical for the book of Hebrews to try and tell us, to convince us that Jesus was elevated and made higher than the angels if he was God Almighty. And the whole thing about Philippians and you know, being, you know, emptying himself and, and, you know, because he was God is complete nonsense. You know, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. That makes no sense. Philippians is talking about Jesus emptying himself because God gave him authority. He humbled himself as a servant and did God's will. It doesn't have anything to do with God emptying his powers. I mean, that's the most nonsensical thing I've ever heard. You know, it doesn't work. So it says in Hebrews 1.4, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has obtained, you don't need to obtain a name that's high if you are God Almighty. How, how on earth are you going to obtain a name by somebody else giving it to you if you are literally the creator of the universe and co-equal and co-eternal with the Father? That doesn't work. Like I said, no matter where you go with the Trinity, it's completely insane. You know, these people are not thinking. You know, Trinitarians have been given a spiritual lobotomy, and I don't mean to be, be mean, but it's very, it's very frustrating when you talk to a Trinitarian and they don't use common sense. You know, they're completely blinded by false doctrine. And that's, you can't fix that. You know, you can only pray that God will reveal the truth to them. And, and countless Trinitarians are waking up. They're realizing that they've, they've been misled. They realize that they're following true tradition that's not biblical. They understand that they would rather follow Christ and God than they would follow church tradition and creed. You know, they're, 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 they're taking that risk and they're deciding to follow Christ, not a tradition, right? So it would be nonsensical for God, you know, basically the Hebrew author, and that's Paul, you know, he, he, this guy, this Trinitarian keeps bringing up the fact that Jesus, you know, uh, all, all things were created through him. Yeah, the Greek word is di, you know, it's a genitive, it's, it's a genitive, uh, it's a, like a spinoff of dia, you know, and that means through, because of, on account of, for this reason. You can look at any Greek concordance. God created everything through his son, and, and in Colossians, 
which is also written by Paul. The book of Hebrews is, you know, supposedly written by Paul. These are specifically positions of power, thrones, principalities, dominions, authorities, right? God created all of these things. It, it surrounds it with a list, a Greek encircling. For all things were created, then it lists thrones, principalities, dominions, and authorities. And then it ends with all things were created because it's used, it's, it's called aponodiplosis, right? In Greek, they encircle things to give it a meaning, to focus, to have us focus on it. It doesn't talk about birds, rocks, or you and I. The Bible is very clear. The Father is our creator, not Jesus. So who is creating here? You know, if you believe Jesus is the creator, then what happened to the Father? The Bible has implicit verses that the Father is our creator, not Jesus. So God created all of these positions of power for Jesus to run the church and the angelic realm. That's why it goes on to say he's before all things. Yeah, he's before all these things as far as positions of power. He's going to run the church and the angelic realm. That's why it says he's the head of the church, right? So he's the firstborn from the dead. So all of these things in Hebrews or in Colossians, rather, they're talking about positions of power. And this is what Jesus is head over, right? So it says right here in Hebrews 1, 6. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. You know, it would be nonsensical for them to remind the angels that God needs to be worshiped. You know, hey, and he says, let all angels worship him. Let all God's angels worship him. They would already be doing that if he was God Almighty. They would know that he was God in the flesh, right? Not a single instance ever says Jesus is God in the flesh. Was it really that hard? Jesus could have said, I am God. I came down from heaven in the flesh of a man. I'm here to die for your sins. Never. The Bible says we were saved by a man. And they keep saying that how could a mere man die for our sins? Jesus is not a mere man. He was the only not, you know, only man who never sinned. You know, what you're doing, what Trinitarians do is they believe Jesus was God. God can't sin. God can't fail. So what what big deal would it have been for Jesus to be tempted by the devil when he couldn't have failed in the first place? It's basically like, you know, flipping your nose at Jesus or at the, at the devil and going, nah, 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 nah. You know, you can't trick me. I can't ever sin anyway. So he was just going through the motions. But he was not really falling into temptation. He never He never was even tempted. You know, it's nonsensical, you know. So. In the book of Hebrews 3, the author is trying to convince us that Jesus is deserving of more glory than Moses, right? Both Jesus and Moses are builder of houses, but the builder of all things is God. Notice how they separate Jesus and Moses and God. They're drawing comparisons between the prophet like Moses, which is Jesus, and God Almighty. It would make no sense for the, the author to try and convince us that, you know, we are to give Jesus more glory than Moses if Jesus was God Almighty, you know, we can read this here, you know, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Is God an apostle and a high priest? He was faithful to him who appointed him, you know, just as Moses was also faithful in God's house. Yet Jesus has been counted worthy of as much more glory than Moses as the builder of a house has more honor than the house. Right. For the house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Right. So it's talking about Jesus is the builder. Moses is the builder, but the builder of all things is God. Now it says now Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were spoken of later. But Christ was faithful over God's house as a son, not his house. Not, you know, this is God's house. This is not Christ's house. Christ was given error. But, you know, God does not need to be given, you know, become an heir of things. Right. So. Even in heaven, Jesus is, you know, he's ignorant of the day and the hour. In Revelation 1, you know, that's why it says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, 
that God gave to him, right? Notice Jesus and God are listed separately throughout the entire Bible. You know, not a single instance. It could have been very easily to say Jesus was God Almighty in the flesh. He came down and died. He lived a sinless life, a perfect life, and died for your sins. God died for your sins. The end. Bingo. It never says anything like this. So what they've done is they've twisted and perverted the teachings of the gospel, which which we were told would happen. You know, look at Galatians 1 8, where you know they they were he was astonished that they so quickly departed from the truth of the gospel and were teaching a false message. You know, this is why you will never ever find Jesus, God, or the apostles speaking of this God that he believes in. Ever, ever. No message of believing in a three-person God. It goes against scripture at every level. Father, let them know you, the only true God. And he'll go, well, I, I believe Jesus, you know, Father is the only true God. No, he doesn't. You know, it doesn't even include the Holy Spirit in here. Then he's got to throw in the, the whole ridiculous analogy of, you know, the, um, the spirit, the, you know, one man, the one woman. That's nonsense. It doesn't, I, I don't care about riddles. You know, the Bible doesn't, doesn't require us to have all of these nonsensical little riddles to try and patch it together to show our theology. Scripture says what it says. It's very clear. We have but one God, the Father, the end. That's it. And we have one Lord, Mashiach, Jesus Christ, the end. That's it. There's no Holy Spirit as a third person. So it doesn't matter what we want to say in the Bible and come up with all these spectacular mental gymnastics and riddles when the Bible disagrees with it at every level. Like I said, you can't see God's face and live, period. No man has seen God, period. No man has ever seen God, period. The end. It doesn't matter to say, oh, well, Jesus was God and they saw the second person of the Trinity. It's nonsense. So the Bible says over and over again, unequivocally, that the Father is our creator. You can look at Deuteronomy 32.6. And this, I believe, is addressed to people like Trinitarians. Do you thus requite the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? Have we not, this is Malachi 2.10, have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers, right? The father created everything, like I said, through Jesus, which means with Jesus in mind and intention. These are purpose. These are, these are positions of power. Jesus didn't create anything whatsoever. He wasn't in a cell, a little, in his little baby, in his mother's womb, while God the Father was running the universe. The Bible says God the Father knits us in the womb. What was Jesus doing? Did he pass it off to the Father? The, the Bible says the Father is our creator alone. You know, I stretched out the earth all by myself. There was nobody with me, period. You know, there was nobody with me. So for, for a Trinitarian to say that, you know, that, um, that Jesus is the creator, you know, they don't know who the creator is. They don't know what Jesus did. You know, how is Jesus involved in creation? They don't understand what through means. It simply means because of, on account of, for this reason. And they are positions of power. Deuteronomy 32, 6, you know, is he or not your father who created you, who made you and established you? You know, Isaiah 44, 24, thus say the Lord, your redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord who made all things, who stretched out the heavens alone, who spread out the earth, who was with me. Other translations say all by myself, right? It's not Jesus, right? And so if you look at, if you look at the book of uh, Revelation chapter four, God, the father, the one who sits on the throne is the creator of everything, right? They specifically say this towards the end in, in Revelation 4.11. You know, it says, it says, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor, thanks to him who is sitting on the throne, to who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is sitting on the throne and worship 
him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, singing, Worthy art thou, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor, for thou did create all things, and by thy will they existed and were created. Okay? This is the one who sits on the throne. The angels say the Father created all things. It's not Jesus. Jesus comes in as a lamb in Revelation 5. We can say right here. And I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, right? Remember this? This is the creator, the one who sitted on the throne, a scroll written with and on the back sealed with seven seals, right? And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing, although it had been slain. This is Christ. So we have God, the father on the throne, the one who sits on the throne, the angels just declared he is the creator of all things. It doesn't say anything about Jesus, right? So, so the, the, Lamb goes and takes the scroll from the right hand of him who is sitting on the throne, right? And he takes the scroll and basically everybody falls down before the lamb, each holding a harp and gold, you know, incense. And, and they say, they say to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and glory and honor forever and ever. So we have unequivocal evidence and proof that the father is our creator alone. He says this, you know, it says it over and over again in Deuteronomy. It says the father is our creator. It says, the, you know, the angels bear, back up this and say the Father is our creator, the one who sits on the throne. It's not Jesus. So when, when, they, when they read the book of Colossians, they're, they're not reading. They're not paying attention because the Trinity blinds them, right? All things were created through him. Yeah, they're positions of power that God created through Jesus. Like I, I donate money to a charity and it goes through my grandmother. It's in her name for her. It's in her memory or her name. I, you know, my grandmother didn't do anything. I did it for her, right? So... They're not understanding this. They think it says birds, rocks, or you and I and all things. If I come home and say who ate all the juice or who drank all the juice, does that mean all the juice in the world? You know, the Bible says all, 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 all men were present in certain times. Does that mean all the men in the world? No, it's in a limited sense. All these things, you know, people need to not take everything literally. They need to dig into scripture. They can't contradict it. If the Bible says the Father is our creator and he created all things, then Jesus obviously did not create all things. And that's why they need to find out what, Colossians is saying, and Trinitarians completely missed the mark on it. So again, the word is not a person, it's figurative. God's wisdom is not literally a female that dwells with prudence, you know, and this person will say, well, you know, God's prudence is not really a person because it dwells with Jesus, who's God's wisdom. Well, Jesus is not a female. It's talking about a female person. That's because they're personifying God's wisdom. You know, he'll make excuses about how, how God's prudence is not a person that was with Jesus, but he, you know, he denies the fact that this same thing could be applicable in John 1 where it says the word was with God. Well, yeah, it's applicable to, yeah, it was with God, meaning belonging to, right? It's not a person, but he will say, well, well, prudence is not a person. It belongs to Jesus. I mean, this is nonsensical. It says in, in you know, in the scripture in Proverbs 8 that she, you know, does not wisdom call, does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, in the past, she takes her stand. Besides the gates in front of the town at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. So they make the emphasis, you know, they bring up the Holy Spirit, you know, grieves and, and cries out. Yeah, he does because it's personified, right? Just like God's wisdom is being personified. She cries out, I wisdom dwell with prudence and I find knowledge and discretion. She's talking, right? In two chapters, she's talking. So I could make the case if I was, a, you know, wanted to believe in a person i could make the case and that and jehovah witnesses do exactly this they make jesus out to be the angel michael he's lady wisdom now he's he's wisdom so and that's kind of what trinitarians do now jesus is they don't find him in the old testament there's no specific or clear verse that talks about jesus ever 
which they absolutely would have done if they wanted us to believe Jesus was the angel of the Lord, we would need to be having this conversation. You know, so a Trinitarian will use riddles. They're they're fascinated. They're, they're perplexed that they don't find Jesus in the Old Testament. So they look for these little riddles. He's he's the angel that was speaking there, the Lord. No, it talks about the Lord, his Shalia, right? They see God in his agent. So when the Bible says no man has seen God, but yet the Bible says they saw God, they did because they, they saw God in his agents, right? That's why God created angels to be ministering spirits. Find out why God needed to create angels in the first place. It's because he does not interact with mankind directly like that. He doesn't interact face to face. He creates these angels to be ministering spirits. So when they see God or when they see the angels, they quote unquote, see God. They understand God. Just like when I say, do you see what I mean? You know, the Bible says the mighty prophet did works and God has visited his people. Did they think they were actually witnessing God almighty doing the works? No. Just like they to see the prophet is to see God, you know, not literally, it's figuratively. Just like Jesus said, if you see me, you see the Father. It's not literally seeing the Father, it's understanding the Father, experiencing the Father. You know, that's agency. And a Trinitarian does not understand agency. That's why they contradict themselves constantly. You know, wisdom is not a person. You know, like I said, John is not introducing to the Jewish world in a riddle that all of a sudden now God is a two-person being. You know, you can apply it. Where's the third person here? It doesn't say anything about who the God is. Who's God? Which is, is it the father is, you know, they're they're What they're doing is they're ramming their theology into the text. They want it to be Jesus. Jesus was God's word because God, you know, put his words in the mouth of a prophet. The word is logos, right? Logos, whoever, however you want to say it in Greek. It's a speech. It's his utterance. It's something said. It's not a person. And it's used over 350 times in the Bible for many things. You know, Jesus says, you know, Father, you know, thy word is truth, thy word, thy word. So is it saying thy Jesus is truth? It doesn't make any sense. You know, God, the father has his word, just like I'm talking to you here right now. And a third person is not speaking for me. Right. It's not saying that um, that that I have that, that I have a person with me and and that person is speaking on my behalf. It says in here that, you know, Jesus says in in John 17, 17, sanctify them by thy truth. Your word is truth, not your Jesus is truth, you know, and word is not even capitalized here. Your word. Yes. In the beginning was the word, the word doesn't say in the beginning was the Jesus. And, and like I said, in older versions of the Bible, it was an it and a that it's not trying to tell us that it's Christ. They, they try to pervert it later and make it personified and make it a person, but you know, it doesn't work. It just, they don't understand personification. So sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Yes, your word. That's why Jesus said, they're not my words to speak. In the beginning was God's word and God's word was with him, meaning belonging to, and the word was God, meaning that's who God is. It's nothing, it's no more complicated than that. And like I said, John said he wrote everything so we would understand Jesus is the Christ, the Mashiach, not that he's God. You know, they these Trinitarians, they go way out of scripture and they're trying to do something. You know, it makes John and all these apostles look like idiots because they didn't know how to relay all this stuff. And, and these Trinitarians are coming up with all these fascinating analogies of gas, liquid, and four, you know, three leaf clovers and all this stuff. But no apostle ever tries to do this, right? So, no, it's not, it's not a person, right? It's being personified. And once you understand personification, you understand the law of agency, the Bible works out very, you know, it works out a lot better for you. So, um, again, you can't see God's face and live. No man has ever seen God. You know, it says in, in 
John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, the only son who is in the bosom of the father. He has made him known, John 1.18. John, 1 John 4.12, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us, right? 1 Timothy 6.16, God dwells in unapproachable light who alone is immortal. That means he can't die. Whatever death is, God can't do it. Jesus died, okay? It doesn't matter if they, this Trinitarian say, well, he didn't die in his spirit. He died in his flesh. It doesn't matter. He died. God can't die. Even in the flesh, God can't die. You know, this is the more riddles. They, they deny clear scripture and they come up with these riddles that contradict scripture. That's why, you know, it's insanity. There's no, nobody ever speaks of this three-person God. So that's all they have is riddles. They go against scripture. It doesn't matter what tradition says. It matters what scripture says. And it says, and he who lives in unapproachable light, you know, whom no one has seen or can see, right? They saw Jesus. It doesn't say no one can see the father. It says they saw no one can see God. He dwells in unapproachable light. That's why he sends Jesus into the world as a prophet. That's why he sends angels down to inter interfere with, you know, interact with man because he doesn't interact with man. That's not, that's not how God is, right? And, and like I said, in Exodus 33, 20, but he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. So he sends agents down, angels who speak. They literally say the angel of the Lord spoke from the burning bush and it was God almighty. Yes, because that's Shalia. That's how agency works. You know, they come in behalf of the authority from God. So they are considered to be God, but nobody thinks they're God almighty. You know, they understand that, hey, if an angel of the Lord appears for me and I disrespect that angel of the Lord, I'm disrespecting God. If I tell the angel, get lost, I don't want to be, I know that he's a messenger from God. So if I disrespect and reject a messenger from God, I'm, I'm rejecting God, right? I'm rejecting God Almighty, right? So they don't understand this. You know, it's not very difficult, you know. So if, if, if the Bible wanted us to believe Jesus was God, Jesus would have said so. Jesus wouldn't have said, I, you seek to kill me, a man who has heard from the truth that I heard the truth from God. He would just say, you seek to kill me who I'm God in the flesh or whatever. You know, they don't ask him in court. Are you claiming to be God? You know, so Jesus was not the creator of the universe. Jesus was not the creator of anything. He's, he's involved in the creation of the, the new creation because he makes appointments. He assigns people positions of power. You know, God gave Jesus all the appointments. So yes, Jesus, you know, administers the word and says he upholds all things with, you know, by a spoken word. He does. Because he, he's given authority to all of these people for positions of power. It doesn't say the universe. That's another lie. And that's another translation. Big time fail. You know, it's a blunder. Most Trinitarians that I know don't study, right? They don't look at the Greek. They don't look at the Hebrew words to see what they actually mean. They just go by translations, you know. You know, just, you know, no one has seen God but the only God. They'll use that. It's just ridiculous. No one has seen God but the only God. They saw Jesus. That's, that's an Alexandrian forgery. It's four texts out of thousands that they use, that they twist, right? So, you know, the fact that Jesus was fully human means that we ourselves can lean on, on God Almighty, right? We can use Jesus as our, as our example, right? If he was God Almighty, we have no shot, right? We can't become God. We can't become half, you know, fully God and fully man. How could Jesus possibly relate to us if he was fully God and fully man? He couldn't, I mean, he could say, oh, he could relate to us in his, in his human nature. That's silly because he still has a godly nature, you know? It's nonsensical. It's not biblical. That's nobody ever says he's fully God and fully man. That's like saying I have a car that's that's fully red and fully blue, or I'm taking a shower and I'm fully wet and fully dry. It's a, it's a logical fallacy. 
you know, it's a, it's a contradiction. And God gave us logic so we could understand his word, especially. And when we see something's wrong and it contradicts it, we should question it, right? So, so the fact that, you know, in the Trinity belief system, God leaned on God. God became perfect. God learned obedience to God. And, you know, and after he was said, and after everything was said and done, he goes to sit at the right-hand side of God. Where's humanity in all of this, right? Where, where are we involved? Is, isn't this between God and man? You know, so, so Adam sinned because he, you know, he overcame, the devil tempted him. But here comes God down now. Hey, I'm going to show everybody. I'm going to show and show what the devil did, you know, to Adam. But hey, I can't ever sin. I can't fail. So I'm going to go and be tempted by Satan. But guess what? Here's the kicker. He's not going to be able to tempt me. I can never be tempted. I can't fail. I can never sin in the first place. So boy, Adam, it, you know, it's really tough to be you. Sorry, dude. You know, uh, you, you, Satan tempted you, but I can't, I, I'm going to put myself in the same positions of you, position of you, but I'm not going to ever fall because I can't, you know, it's nonsensical. There's no point of Jesus crying bloods and tears if he was, you know, if he couldn't fail. And, and Jesus is praying on the cross, loud crying and tears, father, you know, don't, you know, you know, father, save me from death. He's praying out with loud crying and tears to the one who could save him from death. Why would God Almighty be scared about being rescued from death? It's not, it's nonsensical. Like I said, they can come up with all these excuses they want, but the whole storyline from beginning to end in the Trinity is complete nonsense, you know, and the fact is nobody speaks of it. So that should tell you right there, you know, it's very clear. Jesus was fully human. He was fully human. He was conceived in his mother's womb. That's why he grew in wisdom and stature, right? He never tells his mother he's God. Nobody believes he's God. The apostles don't draw swords to protect God Almighty if they think he's God, right? That's nonsensical. So uh, after Jesus leaves earth, no apostle teaches Jesus as God ever. They teach he was a man that God did his miracles through, Acts 2.22. They could have easily said, you know, hero Israel, uh, you know, uh, we come to tell you that Jesus himself was God in the flesh who came down as a man and lived a sinless life. They don't ever say that. They never teach he's God. They teach he was a man, right? So I've asked this guy, show me, show me where Jesus, God, or the apostles teach that God is a three-person being. He can't. He won't. He, he can't answer this, you know. He avoids it, um, you know. And, and when he said, uh, when he brought up the fact that he kept bringing, he kept pumping this guy that Jesus is of heaven. How can this be? He's a man. This proves that he's of heaven. He's God. Well, he didn't keep reading where it says other people are also from of heaven, right? He saw this and then basically went silent on it, you know. The Trinitarians do this, you know, the, the, they're, you know, they, they twist words. They, they don't understand that the same idioms could be applied to other people, but yet they apply it to Jesus, which means he came down from heaven, literally, but other things come down from heaven. You know, Jesus is not of the earth or not of the world, just as other people are not of the world. You know, they were sent also into the world, just as Jesus was sent in the world. You know, John was sent from God. Jesus was sent from God, but, but Jesus is the one that came down from the sky, right? Nobody else. See, this is how they, they, they completely twist and they have this huge Trinitarian bias. They won't apply these idioms to anything else. They apply it to Jesus. You know, that's just not, they're not honest with themselves, unfortunately. You know, so when you deal with a Trinitarian, you know, they're going to convince themselves of these riddles. You know, that's all they have. They have riddles. That's it. Well, we say the father is the only true God. Yes, but, but really God is a three person being. The Bible never, ever says this ever. So at that point, the conversation is basically over. It's going to be riddle land. And you might as well talk about Harry Potter, right? So, um, you know, also, 
you know, when you look at the Bible, you need to read it through a Hebrew understanding. That's where Trinitarians get lost. You know, the Bible was written by Jews that had a Hebrew understanding. They didn't read the Bible. You know, they didn't write it through the eyes of pagan Greek philosophy. This is where this is where these Trinitarians pick it up. You know, play, you know, the church fathers introduced a lot of paganism into scripture. You know, a lot of them were raised by pagan parents. So they introduced plague, you know, paganism, you know, like December 25th is a tradition now. And that's that's celebrates winter solstice. That's a Greek pagan holiday, right? Or a pagan holiday, rather. So that's not true. You know, Easter, the way they do it, all, all these holidays, and, you know, and with Christmas decorating trees with balls and ornaments and all that stuff, that's, that's nonsense, you know. Just because it's tradition passed on down doesn't mean it's true, right? So, um, and, and he keeps bringing up 1 Timothy 3.16. It doesn't say God manifested in flesh. It says he appeared in the flesh. You know, the Catholic Church changed the word he and put God manifested in the flesh it doesn't say that it says he appeared in the flesh jesus did appear in the flesh well if we take it literally did he really appear in the flesh he came down in the flesh no they have different ways of presenting words you know uh you just like the days of his earth in his flesh you know so you know first timothy three sixteen is talking about he appeared in the flesh on earth you know he appeared he grew up in, and appeared he showed up on earth and uh and, you know and don't twist what i said as he has showed up on earth oh he came down from the sky no i don't mean that you know, he was sent into the world, just like John is sent into the world. You know, if you don't read the Bible with a Hebrew understanding, you're not going to you're not going to understand it. So um, Jesus, God manifested in the flesh because God manifested himself in the flesh of Jesus. Like Jesus said, I can do nothing. The spirit of the father who works in me does his works. He dwells in the spirit of the father was dwelling inside Jesus. Right. So when they see God manifested in flesh. Uh, he he was because God was in the flesh of Jesus. You know, God was doing all the miracles, and and Jesus wasn't doing the miracles. Jesus was the vessel that God was doing the miracles through, right? So so they give all the credit to Jesus, but Jesus Jesus constantly said, "The Father in me does His works," right? So He said, uh, "The word that I speak to you are not my own." You know, John fourteen ten. It's not His world word. It's not His will. It's not his, you know, words, not his will to speak. Uh, it's everything is pointed to God. Um, so I'm trying to find this verse where it talks about, uh, uh, let's see, the father who dwells in me. You know, it's, it's there. I just, uh, I'm on the Bible app right now. Um, but anyway, the point is that God the father was doing the works in Jesus, right? So, uh, you know, the Bible tells us that that uh, God was in Christ, right? God was in Christ reconciling himself to the world. It doesn't say God was Christ or God was, you know, all the stuff. It's in 2 Corinthians 5, 19. If we look at the, um, if we look at the NASB uh, in 2000, it says, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He was. So God manifested himself in flesh. Yes. Because God the Father was dwelling in Jesus. They don't, uh, you know, Trinita uh, Trinitarians don't get this. They think that <clears throat> this is all Jesus talking, that he was God. No. <clears throat> God the Father was in Jesus. You know, uh, so that's that's the kicker there. They don't understand what Jesus is saying. You know, they're giving all the glory and credit to Jesus when it's God the Father that was doing everything. You know, I've asked this guy, show me a single instance where anybody teaches God as a three-person being. He won't answer, you know. Um, and it says uh, that um, that 
a, a man can't die for our sins. Well, that's absolutely false. The Bible says we were saved by a man, you know, <clears throat> over and over again, by a man, we were made sinners and by a man, we were made righteous right here. First Corinthians 15, 21, for as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. Notice it doesn't say God, it says by a man. In Romans 5.15, but the free gift is not of trespass, but if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift and the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Romans 5.19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by one man's disobedience, many will be made righteous, right? Acts 17.31, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man, right? John 8, 40. But you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth I heard from God. Acts 2, 22. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God, which God did through him, the miracles God did through him. First Timothy, First Timothy 2, 15. For is there, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. You know, present, a man, Absent God, God, man, angel, man, man, God, man, angel, fully God, fully man, Yahweh, Yahweh, Jr. None of this stuff, right? So that's the beauty of scripture is that people can stick to what it says. You know, they don't have to twist things. They don't have to say, well, Jesus was a man, but he was not really a man. You know, he will tell me, well, we don't, we don't deny that Jesus is a man. Yeah, you do. To be a man means you begin life here on earth. You don't begin, you don't come down from the sky and, and, be considered a man. See, now you're twisting also what words mean. You know, Jesus was a man, but that means he was really pre-existent. It's God. You can't be a man to be a human being if you exist before you're a man. You know, it doesn't work. So it doesn't matter if you say, well, we believe God is one, but he's three persons in one, and we don't believe in three gods. Yes, you do. If you call the Father God, you call Jesus God, you call the Holy Spirit God, that's three gods. It doesn't matter if you say they're all one God. That's not. That's nonsensical, and it's not biblical. It's not in the Bible. That's why you will never find anybody saying anything like that. God is three persons. They're all, you know, there's nothing like that. So you can say all these things you want. It's nonsensical. You know, and the Bible tells us that people will wander into myths. You know, they will follow unsound doctrine. And that's what the Trinity is. You know, look at the majority of Christians today. They're completely lost. They don't have any clue of who God is. They're out committing adultery. They're out doing all these crazy things, drinking booze, dressing like, you know, really scantly, uh, you know, thongs, all this stuff. And they say, oh, I'm a Christian. Well, no, they're not, right? It doesn't matter what the majority believes. It matters what the, the truth of the gospel is. Just because church tradition tells you one thing and they say it's true doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. So the Bible is very clear that in the beginning was God's word. God's word was with him and God's word was him. You know, in the beginning was the word and the word is with God and the word was God, you know. It's the same person. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It's the same thing. It doesn't say, you know, if you look at prostontion in, in uh, the Greek, you know, in, in the book of Hebrews and other places, it means in relation to God. You know, so just like uh, God's, God's um, you know, his, his uh, eternal life was with God, you know, because, yeah, that's who God is. God, it says, you know, in, in, in the father, father has life in himself and has granted the son to have life in himself. The father nor God needs to be granted life. That's nonsensical. Can you imagine God almighty needing to be granted life? That means if he wasn't granted life, he would be dead. You know, they don't think, you know, God did not deceive the Jewish world for thousands of years 
and watch them worship him as a single person when he was really three persons up in heaven. Nobody ever speaks of this three-person God. Nobody. So we can spend all these times with riddles and mental gymnastics and watch these Trinitarians desperately try to patch things together. They don't know who Jesus is. Is Jesus the creator? I've asked them. You said all things were created through Jesus. What does that mean? Does that mean God the Father sat back and watched Jesus create? That contradicts scripture because the Bible is very clear that the Father is our creator and he created everything alone. You know, so you have to you have to just kind of let Trinitarians do what they're going to do. They're going to they contradict scripture. You know, first of all, you're speaking with somebody who believes in a God that Jesus, God and the apostles never speak of. Right. So at that point, you know, it's kind of like I said, it's kind of like Harry Potter. You're, you're going to be having a discussion with something that's not even based on the Bible. We can't have a biblical discussion, an honest biblical, biblical discussion. If, if we're going to talk to somebody that uses riddles throughout the entire conversation. Right. You know, in the beginning was the word. Well, go to John or go to Matthew, go to Mark, go to Luke. You know, there's no riddle. There's no hint that Jesus is God. And John clarified. He said, I wrote everything so you would understand Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. He could have easily said, hey, the entire point that I want you to get out of my gospel message is that Jesus is God and God in the flesh. And he came down. You know, the word, quote unquote, became flesh, which means it was revealed in the flesh of a man, just like the words become a book or the author's words become alive. You can't, it, you know, it doesn't say God became flesh. Does it say God became flesh? God is flesh now? Really? This is, you know, this is in Hosea 11:9. I am God and I am not a man. Jesus said over and over again, I am a man that heard from God. We will be judged by a man. We were saved by a man. So either Jesus is a man. Or the Bible is very deceptive. Jesus was very deceptive. God was very deceptive, right? Or we can believe what the Bible says. Jesus was a man that God approved of, that God did his miracles through. And the beauty of the truth in the statement of Jesus Christ himself that says what eternal life is. Father, let them know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who you have sent. No Trinity, no Holy Spirit being introduced to the true God or eternal life, or anything like that. That's the beauty of the truth. When Jesus says he's a man, we believe it. When the Bible says we were saved by a man, we believe it. We don't try to elevate Jesus to be God. You know, they made Caesar God long before Jesus was even born. So now what they, what they did was they go, oh my gosh, you know, we're following, we have Caesar as a God, now we're following Jesus. Jesus has to be higher than Caesar, so let's make Jesus God now. And they wrestled with this, you know, at the Council of Nicaea, where 16% of bishops showed up. And they voted to make Jesus God. I don't care what they voted on. It doesn't matter just because they pushed this theology. And now they have Jesus as God. They started off with Jesus was kind of a, a demigod, right? He started off as being this, this God and, you know, this kind of God that was under the Father, that came out from the Father, not that he preexisted, right? They believe, someone believed that he came out from the Father. So they're teaching this and it morphed to now what it is now, right? And, and if you didn't believe in it, if you didn't believe in this, they would kill you, right? They would persecute you, they would kill you, and they would murder you if you didn't believe in the Trinity or that Jesus was God, right? So where does this doctrine come from? Who told the Trinitarians to look for a Trinity, right? If you drop somebody off on an island, do you honestly think they would come away with the understanding that Jesus is God Almighty in the flesh and that God is a three-person being who is co-equal and co-eternal? Never, right? So again, Christians, Hang on to the simple truth in John 17, 3, as well as the other scriptures. We have but one God, the Father, and we have one Lord, Jesus Christ. God bless you and have a great day.